welcome, welcome back welcome, to welcome. Source Material from our hiatus. Has it been a minute? It's been a little bit. It's been, it's we're been. back now, though. We are. I'm very excited to with be. With a force, I think. So We're back with a force? We're back with a force. Not the force. No. Unfortunately. Baby Yoda took all of it. But uh, we are back. It's been a minute. We went on hiatus. But we are doing Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yes. Okay. Continue on this HP train. Yes. And hopefully we'll get through the last three pretty quick. And then yeah. get some. Last four. It's four movies. Four movies, three books. Yeah. We'll have to figure out how we're going to do that. This, uh, this was the f- one of the first times that I realized how different the book and the movie were. I mean, in the past episodes, obviously stuff is left out, but well, this one is. That makes sense because the other, the first three books are much shorter. So right. This one is nearly double. They lend themselves to adaptations a little more than the last. Yeah. Ones. So this one will be interesting. And I know this movie, uh, people have opinions about it. Yeah. And so do we. Well, I mean, people are going to have opinions about every movie. Probably. I know, but like out of the Harry Potter movies, you think this one has the, I know it's the movie that people are just like, nah, I don't need to rewatch it. There's a few of those for me, honestly. Yeah. This is, yeah, we'll get into it. But this, this one watching the movie, I, I, I I felt the same. Uh, We've already done JK Rowling, so not going to get too much uh, into this. She's already kind of hit uh, a big peak in her fame at this point. Yeah, when did this book come out? This book came out. Must have been after the first movie, right? Uh, When was the first movie? 2001. No, this one is leading up to the first movie. So this one came out July 8th, 2000. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that four of them, I guess that makes sense because the last one came out in like 07. Yeah, so four books uh, preceded the first movie, this being the last of those. And uh, this was the first time that the book was published on the same day and the same year in both the US and in the UK. And uh, Probably because it was much more popular at this point. It was hugely popular, and they picked the date specifically because it was uh, a Saturday, so kids didn't have to worry about trying to get the book while they were in school. Yeah, I wonder if this was the first release that was like an event. Honestly, it probably was. Because I mean, was... if any anybody who remembers going to pick up a new Harry Potter book, oh yeah, when it came out, it was. Uh, I don't think I don't think things like that, that happen anymore for books. I remember like, uh, what what book has like people going to a release? Oh, when anymore when George R. R. Martin maybe gets out that, yeah, that that's, book, but that's, that's maybe like the only one I can think of right now. Though I remember for me Twilight, the Twilight series when the last books were coming out, it was a big deal to get to. Yeah, Barnes I'm and sure Noble, that they had it, but. Yeah, there's not a lot. No, not a lot of those anymore. No, this one was huge, and or maybe I'm just out of touch, and I don't know what uh, <laughs> people are reading anymore. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it, it yeah. was uh, I don't know. It was interesting to I went to like a few of those releases, mm-hmm. and it was, it was definitely like a an event. Oh yeah, waiting in, in line. Walden Books was around. Walden Books. Yeah, um, Walden that was the one I went to. I was Barnes and Noble. Uh, but this, um, had an original order of 5 million copies, which is huge. When you think about the the first iteration of Harry Potter, I think it had maybe 10,000. So much bigger first order. And it sold over 3 million copies in the U S in the first weekend alone. Wow. So nearly sold out just in the U S with that first order, which is insane. And 
the book is, like we said, almost twice the size of the first three books. So the paperback is 638 pages, which is a huge leap, Mm -hmm. especially because this is technically still like children's books. But now I think it's moving more into like young adult. I think it's moving more into a young adult kind of genre. But like they started as children's books for 11 year olds. Yeah. And now they're what? It's not like green eggs and ham or something though. Like it's. (laughs) Well, no, but kids have chapter books. Yeah. Kids still have chapter books. I guess when I think of a kid's book, I'm thinking like you're thinking of like younger kids. Yeah, you're thinking of like toddlers. Uh, but Rowling knew um, from the beginning that this was going to be the longest of the first four, and she she knew it would be kind of and quite literally a stretch to make it that long. But she wanted to give the plot the time that it deserved as it is one of the more complex ones that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And as well as explore that magical world. I mean, there's a lot of um, issues she brings up within the magical world in this book, as well as introducing two new schools from yeah. two different countries and two different magical traditions. Um, before it was published under its current name, it had, the alternate title was Harry Potter and the Doomspell Tournament. I'm sorry, what? Harry Potter and the Doomspell Tournament. The Doomspell. Doomspell. Thank God she changed that. Yes. Uh, She decided to do the Goblet of Fire to tie in to the theme of like a cup of destiny. Mm. Um, So that's how she got the name for the actual Goblet of Fire and why she decided to use that. Because it was going to be Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament at one point too. Okay, I like that. That one one is definitely better than Doomspell Tournament. Yeah. That's a little too on the nose. Yeah, for sure. Um. She said this one was the hardest to write because halfway through writing, she realized she had a really huge plot hole. So she had to go back and she rewrote chapter nine. What was the plot hole? Do you know? She didn't say in the interview. Um, She didn't say I was reading up on her interviews, but she did rewrite chapter nine, the dark mark 13 times. She like rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. So I wonder if the plot hole was built. I'm I'm, I'm wondering that might've been it. Mm. Figuring all of that out. And uh, we'll talk about this more. She went back and fixed it. She did. And at least Game of Thrones. (laughs) Uh, If anyone has read this book, which I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you have read this book. It has a lot of big issues in it. So the main one um, being bigotry. You mean plot lines or? Plot lines that are dealing with these issues. So there's multiple plot lines. There's obviously the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. And the two different schools that are coming in here and yep. their different traditions. And then we have in the book, the plot line of the um, spew movement mm-hmm. headed by Hermione, which does not appear in the movie at all. And then you've all. got the all and the then Voldemort you've got the, stuff. The Voldemort. Going on kind of intermittently. The, the pure blood versus the um, non-pure bloods. And then you also have the um, issues between different magical races. Yeah. She um, does the very JK Rowling thing though. Well, I suppose probably any good author does this is like weaving all these things together at the end though. Right. Yeah. She weaves them all together very well. Um, she, she had a really great quote in an interview and I, I couldn't find a way to kind of parse it down. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read it because I think it's great for the book and also kind of, current times. So when she was asked about the theme of bigotry in this book, um, she stated, I really like to explore the idea that difference is equal and good. 
But there's another idea that I like to explore too. Oppressed groups are not, generally speaking, people who stand firmly together. No, sadly, they kind of subdivide among themselves and fight like hell. That's human nature, so that's what you see here. This world of wiz- wizards and witches, they're already ostracized, and then within themselves, they formed a loathsome pecking order. I found that really interesting that she calls attention to that. And uh, it's such a big... Because when reading that quote, you're like, oh, that is... Yeah, you kind of understand. It is human nature, and she's playing it out in a in a very magical way. Yeah. I just... I really liked that kind of summation of this book's bigger themes. There's definitely a lot of uh, social commentary throughout these books. Yes. And, and the further you get into them... Um, the the harder she drives at home because oh, yeah. the readers especially are, when the Ministry of Magic stuff yes. starts coming in right absolutely um, for the reception uh, Stephen King famous author wrote in a New York Times book review that the fourth was every bit as good as the first three Harry Potters although there was a little too much teenage squabbling for his for his liking mm, I wonder what he thought of the movie then <laughs> um, what I really like about this book is is she brings up so many so she does a really good job of kind of deepening her world building Mm -hmm. to bringing it to a kind of a different level and i think that's probably why she needed thought she needed to have this book be so much longer yeah because there are a ton of things introduced in this you really dive much more into the ministry magic Mm -hmm. already and what i love about this book is it just really sets up the next one like yeah I, i don't know if this is i think between the first three there's I think this is the book that really connects with the next one the most. Some critics did say that it lagged at the end of the book um, when Voldemort and that Crouches is, are talking in depth and exp- there is a yeah. lot of expo- exposition. That's one thing at the end of the book. It does kind of, it goes on. It's kind of like the the last Lord of the Rings movie where you think you've hit the end mm-hmm. and then it just keeps going a little bit more. And I'm not necessarily complaining. I liked the end of this book. Right. I did think it maybe dragged a little bit, but But then that goes back to again, it setting up. Again, the end of this book sets up so much in the next one, so I think it was necessary. Yes, to, I do too. It's just you kind of feel like, oh, the big conflict's over and then there's still four chapters left. Right. But I mean, that's a really minor criticism for me anyways. Right. Uh it won the two thousand one Hugo Award for Best Novel. Huge honor. It was the, the first one that won Hugo, the first. Right? It's going to be the first and the last that mm. wins the Hugo Award. Wow. Um, in 2002, it won the Indian Paintbrush Book Award. Um, and this was the series' third win. So the Philosopher's Stone and Prisoner of Azkaban won the award as well. The novel also won an Oppenheim Toy Portfolio Platinum Award. That's a mouthful. That's a hell of an award right there. <laughs> For one of the best books. A toy award? A Oppenheim Toy Portfolio Platinum Award. Hmm. Um, and it was described as um, the most intense of the, f- of the first four books. Oh, for sure. And um, in addition, Entertainment Weekly listed it in second place on their list of the new classics, um, the 100 best reads from 1983 to 2008. Hmm. And The Guardian ranked Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire number 97 in its list of 100 best books of the 21st century. Wow. And that's really all that I have. I mean, the book, I will say, I don't, I didn't remember much of the book. Um, I remember like the big things that they took out, but uh, 
I have a new appreciation for the book because the movie is what really stuck in my head all this time. And, and having read the book and then rewatched the movie. I think in my mind, I've got some weird amalgamation of the two. Right. Um, when I, when I think back on these, on, you know, the Harry Potter stories, Mm -hmm. but, um, a lot of, yeah, I say a lot of the movie, I think, unfortunately, the movies kind of colored my perception of the book because I don't. Yeah. I remember. I remember not liking this one and Order of the Phoenix very much. Yeah. And I think it's not because I didn't like the books. It was because I don't like the movies. I agree. Because I read Goblet of Fire. It was great. Really good. Actually, I liked it almost as much as probably Prisoner of Azkaban. And I and had that's the my same one. feeling about Prisoner of Azkaban. I didn't love the movie, yeah. and I thought, oh, the book's not. But I loved the book after yeah. I read it again. I, I was forgot like, oh. how good it was, and I'm like two or three chapters into Order of the Phoenix now. Right. And I'm loving it so far. Yeah. It's really good. I will say like the movies are good, but at the end of the day, Harry Potter is always going to be the book is better. Yeah. So this movie came out only five years after the book did 2005. They really November whipped out the first four movies oh, really yeah. quick. But granted, they're working with they kids. They whipped out that sounds all of sexual. Them. They whipped out the, I all just of them realized pretty quick. That. I mean, eight movies in ten years. And I and part of that's probably due to the cast being young. Yeah, they had, and they to, have they had to, to get it out. Quickly. They have to age it before they're all twenty five, playing eighteen year olds. Right. Not like that's uncommon though. But um, mm-hmm. it is not. Yeah, November two thousand five. Our boy uh, Steve Cloves is back. <laughs> our boy as writing the screenplay mm-hmm. um new director this time we have mike newell first british director of the harry potter series that is surprising considering jk was so adamant about the yeah, british acting i know and actors like chris columbus is american or is he american or canadian one of the two i think he's american yeah, I he's american been a little bit cloves is american too yes he is yeah Cor- and then Coran is from mexico um so yeah first british director um i and the, there will only be one direct, one more directorial change for the rest of the series. So he started directing TV in the late 60s, early 70s. So he'd been around a while. Oh, so he's an older, he's an older gentleman. Yeah, I think he's 77 now All right. as of today. Um, and then in the 80s is when he kind of jumped into movies. Um, he... Some of his more famous works are Four Weddings and a Funeral. With Julia Roberts. Mona Lisa Smile. Is also Julia Roberts? Yes. Yeah. Um, Someone's got a crush. And then he did uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, which was not, not a good, good movie. Was that know, Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal. That was like right before Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. like turned the corner into his really good, Into cool, like the Nightcrawler, like amazing actor, face. Jake Gyllenhaal. Although yeah. Donnie Darko Prisoner. was, Donnie Darko was great. Prisoner. Prisoner. Yes, that's Prisoner. a good one. Prisoners. I don't remember. I think it's, it's Prisoner. Good. With that's Hugh Jackman. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Enemy. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal's out here killing it right now. And his Actually, eyebrows. Actually, like the last 10 years, he's been killing it, to be fair. He um, really has. And then most recently, he did the Netflix movie, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. I want to watch. That is also a book. I want to I Yeah, wanna maybe we'll cover that. another one of his uh, movies. Yeah. Um, Cast-wise, we got the usual crew. And then some notable additions here. We got Brendan Gleeson coming in as Mad-Eye Moody. Robert mm-hmm. Pattinson as Cedric Diggory, Ray Fine as Voldemort. Did I say that right? 
Yeah, Ray Fiennes. Because that's not how it's spelled at all. But no, good. it's a it's um, very uh, unique spelling. David Tennant as Barty Crouch Jr. Right before he got the uh, role on Doctor Who, he did this movie. Um, Roger Lloyd Pack as Barty Crouch Sr. Clements Posey as Fleur Delacour. Stanislav Janoveski as Victor Crumb. Miranda Richardson as Rita Skeeter. Francis de la Tour, which is the most French name I've ever seen in my life. Give me a French accent with it. Come on. Francais de la Tour. Oh, very nice. As Madame Maxine. Mm. And uh, Pedrog Bilak as Igor Karkaroff. Wow. Those are the notable additions. Lots, a lot of new casts going on. There is. And that goes into, um, like you said, the, the enriching of this, this world yeah. and, um, and, and making it more tangible. Yeah. I don't have a lot of production notes on this one. Um, one interesting, I, one interesting thing I did find was just a quote from Steve Cloves. He had commented that they had always thought that this book would be two movies, but they couldn't figure out a way to, to break it in two. Oh. Um, so they just had decided to go with one and, and he did, did say that it's going to be, is a different experience in the book, which is very true. It is. And that's definitely something that we'll, we'll yeah. dive into. Um, post-release info earned 897 million worldwide. So the second highest grossing movie, a Harry Potter movie up to this point behind social stone. Oh, wow. Um, so it kind of can't brought it back a little bit. Uh, it earned generally positive reviews. And one other interesting thing I found was as a result of this movie, Warner brothers was sued for $40 million from a Canadian band called the weird sisters spelled W Y R D because in the movie they have a the band. band called the weird sisters. Yeah. Um, that plays. And I guess, oh. I guess they settled in 2010. So they got something for the troubles. But that's um, okay. I mean, do what you gotta do. Yeah, I guess. But but yeah, that's about all I've got on this one. So yeah. let's uh, maybe introduce the plot a little bit more. All right, I'm gonna briefly summarize. We're going to miss a lot until we get into it, but just to set the scene a little bit, um, we are following Harry and the rest of the gang's fourth year at Hogwarts. This year, there is something called the Triwizard Tournament being taken place, which hasn't been taken place in a long time, where uh, basically it's a, an international competition uh, to promote solidarity and between different uh wizarding cultures yeah and uh so this takes place of takes the place of quidditch everything for the year it's the big event for the year and there's harry ends up being selected as one of the champions yeah for hogwarts he wasn't supposed to be eligible because you're supposed mm -hmm. to be 17 but somehow there he gets selected mysteriously and it was a lot of people worried because he's seen throughout this throughout the book he's um, seeing visions of Voldemort and his scars hurting him and all this is going on in the background. Right. Um, so basically this year they go through the, there's three tasks that Harry has to go through. And then, um, along the way, there's some other subplots that happen, including some stuff with Hermione starting a organization for the liberation of 
of house elves and a romantic plot between um, Hagrid and the headmistress of Bobaton. And then we also have um, all this Voldemort stuff kind of lurking in the background a little bit where we involve maybe Dumbledore a little bit more than the other books throughout. Yeah. And then Sirius is, is um, talking to Harry throughout the book too, writing letters and, and whatnot throughout the book. So he's in contact with these people about what he's worried about with Voldemort. And it kind of, as the book goes along, it kind of ramps up the, the tension and also kind of the, uh, the foreboding ramps up a little bit throughout the book um, as he has more and more of these visions, basically. Throughout this too, there's a lot of themes that we maybe have already touched on where with bigotry and stuff like that, there's a character who's introduced, Rita Skeeter, who's a writer for the Daily Prophet, who basically is like a tabloid writer. Yeah, so I like to think of the Daily Prophet as kind of like the Daily Mail yeah. Right of the the Muggle world, like there, it's just a lot of. If gossip. you're not familiar with that, that's a UK based. It's a UK based paper. Yeah, and it's very much just filled with trying to get salacious headlines about celebrities and yeah, and not not necessarily a, a factual so credible she, source. She's writing all this stuff and so and all this kind of fake stories about Harry and some other people, and so he's having to deal with kind of this public, very very public backlash for the first time outside of Hogwarts. And even within it too. And that, that, that comes to, we'll talk about this towards the end of the book when we're talking about the plot, but that, that kind of comes into play later on with how he's being perceived. Mm-hmm. So that's going on as well. And, uh, so we're going through the tournament, going through the, the tasks. And then at the end of the year, there's the final task, Harry and Cedric get transported to a grave at the end of the final task, Cedric Diggory, the other Hogwarts champion gets killed and spoiler alert if you did yes. know and then Voldemort comes back and everything's dun, good dun, everything's dun, happy. and uh <laughs> then Harry goes back to Hogwarts gets back to Hogwarts and there's a big conflict that sets up the fifth book where basically uh Fudge the Minister of Magic doesn't believe that Voldemort's back and thinks Harry and this is partly due to Rita Skeeter's writing is uh, kind of mad or insane, so he doesn't believe him and thinks now Dumbledore is against him because Dumbledore is siding with Harry and believes that Voldemort's back. And this sets up this huge conflict that directly results in pretty much all of the events going on in the fifth book. Yeah, this book is definitely not only the longest and the most in-depth, it, it is the, the, it's the literal middle book out of the seven. Is it the longest of all seven books? Um, no, I believe order of the Phoenix is up next, but it's, it's the, the center book literally in the lineup three on either side. And this is the turn. This is where, Oh, for sure. It it is immediately darker from the get go because she's introducing her readers to racism, to bigotry, to death. And in a very direct way, it's not that Harry's parents died. It's Harry witnessed a death. And, right. and so this is going to be, it's a really heavy book and all the books moving forward just get heavier and heavier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, strap in for that. It's yeah. going to be exciting. Uh, there's obviously a ton of differences. Yeah. And, and we're not going to get into the nitpicky stuff. I mean, it would take like four hours. We can't get a couple out of the way. There's there's things that are never addressed in this movie. The first being Dobby and Winky. Yeah, they completely cut out that whole subplot. The spew subplot doesn't exist. The movement doesn't exist. Dobby, I don't think, shows up Can until... We, 
let's let's expand on this a little bit. Okay. While we're here, the the Dobby and Winky stuff, I think, was something that could have been woven in pretty quickly, and would have added so much to. I, I think you probably could have still cut the spew, the house of liberation stuff. I think you could have cut that out, and you wouldn't have lost too much. Mm-hmm. Um. I saw, I think it's an interesting subplot, but for the purpose of condensing for a movie, I get that. But right. Winky is Barty Crouch Sr., one of the people who's putting on the Triwizard Tournament, his house elf. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's this whole subplot with her. She, she gets fired from... It's not even fired. She's freed as a punishment. Right, right. But to her, that's fired in her right. eyes, right? Because yeah. um, in the beginning of the book, and she spends the rest of the book depressed, um, it's integral to the plot because Mad-Eye Moody, who we think is Mad-Eye Moody, ends up actually being Barty Crouch Jr., who is a Death Eater and the son of Barty Crouch Sr., um, in disguise. And so it's one of those classic J.K. Rowling things at the end of the book where she explains this, the whole mystery, basically. And this, So by taking this out um, of the movie, it changes um, the the path to, oh, yeah. to, to Harry reaching the goblet and to the trophy. So, um, that's a huge difference. And we'll get into that more. Maybe when we dive into the exposition part of it with the explanation, but by taking Winky out of the equation, it changes, um, Barty Crouch Jr. Storyline a lot and seniors. Yeah. And senior storyline a lot. Bertha Jorkins plays a really big role. Um, in the, in the background still in the book, in the yeah. book, uh, n- not, not mentioned here at all. And then, yeah, she's a ministry employee, employee who, goes who goes missing. missing yeah. Um, and no one seems worried about it until, you know, these, these odd happenings at Hogwarts, yeah. um, ar- arise. Um, and then the conflict surrounding Hagrid being revealed as this half giant is, um, wiped completely from the movie. Yeah, there's none um, of n- they none never of the, mention him being half giant. Um, which well, they do. Um, do they? they? They don't in the movie. They don't mention it. They they allude. Yeah. They never say half giant. But, it's never. Yeah. It's never the the large issue. Same with Spew is in but the it's book. It's not really a plot point though. And right. I mean, the whole reason him and Madame Maxine's romance in the book is so interesting is because she's also likely a half giant and kind of denies it and is ashamed of it right because of the public perception exactly but that's why they were drawn to each other was because they had this similarity right and you cut that completely out and now you just have there's no substance to it like they show them together walking around in the movie and uh i think at the yule ball scene they might have danced or something but you get a little background from hagrid but at one the, point. you but don't even see anything at the end of the movie about them there's no, no conflict between them it's just oh I, I mean you just go through the movie and at the end of the movie you think oh he had him and him and Maxine hooked up or whatever and mm-hmm. nothing came out of it and it's done. You just never, you know, you just never pursued. It's one of those things that is really hard when you're adapting a book this big is you, you lose some of the nuance. So like if you read the book, you understand what's going on there. If you didn't read the book though, you lose out on, right. I mean, you pretty much turn characters into caricatures yeah, because you lose a lot of the nuance. Right. That, that is all taken out. Yep. Um, and, I understand why the Triwizard Tournament is the biggest plot. It is the plot. These yeah. are subplots. However, they're watching this movie back. It is the timing is so off. What they cut, they don't make sense of in other ways. And the thing that I wish they would have left in 
is that connection between Winky. Maybe, yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe we don't have the house elf liberation movement no, I don't completely, but, but that character and the connection to the Crouch family is a huge part of the background for yeah. how Barty Crouch Jr. is a part of the picture. Yeah. But let's, let's kind of go to the beginning. Um, it, it starts very similarly to the book with um, the depiction of the Riddle House yep. and, and, that, and that coming to Harry in a dream. And, um, That's almost exactly the same, except for the fact that Barty Crouch Jr. is in the, f- the first dream he has. In the, in the movie, yeah. In the movie. And in the book, it's just Wormtail and Voldemort. So you can already see things start to deviate from the book immediately as far as where they're going with Barty Crouch Jr. in the movie. Right. He is, he is known from yeah. the beginning. We're like a minute into the movie and there's already a huge difference. Yeah. And like we said, that relates back to leaving Winky and that plot out right. of it. So it's interesting in this book, um, in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, we see Harry um, getting a little bit more cocky, I think, with the, the Dursleys. He's a little bit more... Um, um, forthright standing up for himself. Is he standing up for himself? Yeah. Um, he's like hanging serious black over their heads. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is interesting. Um, but that's not mentioned in the movie at all. In the movie, we, you don't, we even, don't get you don't any actually, of that. You're not at private drive at all. We just cut straight to, he actually, so in the, in the book, he's got that first nightmare dream vision mm-hmm. at private drive in the movie. He has it at the burrow. And this might be like the first time a movie doesn't include. Yeah, it was. The, the private drive yeah. scenes. He's just, he's immediately at the borough and they're getting ready to go to and the then, Quidditch world cup. And then he, they're immediately off to the Quidditch world cup. The pacing of this movie is so fast. It is wildly fast. There's just fast. never any time to breathe on anything. Right. And with this book being all about expanding the world, th- they have to sadly condense it and yeah. to, into, it's a kind of like whiplash. I think yeah. you had mentioned watching it. Um, cause in the book we're supposed to meet Bill and Charlie, the two oldest Weasleys and, um, they, they're all supposed to go to the world cup together. Yeah. Um, I will say that this, in this book, it was the first mention of apparating and it was the first mention of the love goods in the book and the porky and the porky. So all of that. And, and the quitters world cup is way different in the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Muggles are involved and everyone's yeah. in disguise and their their best muggle wear. So yeah. this is also showing that otherness of like trying to blend in and the muggles yeah. versus the magical people. It shows the dynamics. The culture clash. Yeah. Um, but it's in the movie that's never been set up because they all wear muggle yeah clothing. Um another huge difference when they, they get to the World Cup, um the Weasleys are in the same box as the minister of magic and yeah. Barty Crouch in the book. Yeah. In the book and the Malfoys, whereas in the movie they get, well, get their, Winky Barty Crouch senior is not there. That's true. Winky, the Crouch, Mr. Crouch is supposed to yeah. be there. Um, in the movie they have nosebleed seats and it's, yeah. So, uh, and it's even made a point in the movie that Malfoy, um, Lucius Malfoy has a line about them going to sit with the minister of magic while they're yeah. going up to their nosebleed seats. So yeah. Another, I think that was probably just another way for Steve and JK in the, in the screenplay to show otherness, right? right? Yeah. They are cutting a lot of that otherness out that's in the book. So they had to add it somewhere else. So they had to add it somewhere else. Um, so, and then they show none of the Quidditch World Cup. No, they show, this really annoyed me. (laughs) All right. They showed this like stupid pageantry with, uh, like, so a flying leprechaun and 
then like Victor Crumb coming out and like like uh, flying around a bit, and then the, they blow the whistle to start the match, and it cuts to the next scene. I'm like, if you're gonna cut something out, cut out that bullshit, the pageantry shit, and show some of the actual match. I, right. I don't know. I thought that was a missed opportunity. I know you're like trying to condense down, but I just. I didn't like that. Right. And, and the if you didn't do that, just cut that entire, just write out, write out the Quidditch World Cup entirely of the story, honestly. Well, but they can't, right? Because of the whole dark mark and the Death Eater scene. They couldn't write it completely out. Yeah, I know. Of, but, but yeah, it, it is interesting that they chose to focus on pageantry instead of the actual match. And I think that's, uh, they made that mistake multiple times in this movie. It, they did. Absolutely. Uh, so, this is also a big diversion in the book because we don't have Winky and we don't have Barty Crouch. Um, they snap right away from the end of the world cup, uh, the Irish win to the death eaters destroying immediately. The immediately. Yeah. And then Harry is left behind in the, in the book. He's not, they, they escape to the forest together. Yeah. And in the book, Winky is found next to Harry's wand and Harry's wand had been used to, um, send out the dark mark signal for the death eaters. Um, basically a really shitty bat signal. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A very evil bat signal in the, in the movie, Harry sees a figure, um, point at the sky, do the dark mark spell. And then, um, and you can clearly tell who it is. I mean, you can clearly see, you know, it's David Tennant standing there. Yeah. Uh, and then Harry's discovered after he's been literally left for dead. Like it's deserted. Yeah. No, nobody's there. It's all burnt to the ground, but he's still laying there. Death Eaters just, I guess, overlooked one of the most important people in yeah. their plot line history. Uh, and then there's a the whole conflict of, well, did Harry send out the dark mark? And, and well, and this is one big difference is they, uh, in the book, the Death Eaters like torturing muggles. That's like one of the big consequences of leaving out the muggles from this is that you don't get that immediately too, because I think that also plays into that same theme of like bigotry and stuff. The otherness. um, Which is set up that there are wizards out there who have backwards ways of thinking and you can kind of see why now there were supporters of Voldemort. Like, yeah, I think. Absolutely. Uh, So it's all just so fast paced. And then, and then quick cut. They're on the Hogwarts Express. Probably like 10 minutes into the movie. Yes. It all happens so fast. Yeah. So unbelievably they're fast. They're off, off to Hogwarts. And then just like that, they're at Hogwarts and immediately the uh, delegates from the other schools are there. Yeah. So in so I, I wrote this down that by chapter 11 in the book, they're on the way to the school, which yeah. is like the longest it has taken them right. to get to Hogwarts. And in the book, like everyone's been kind of alluding to this big event. Yeah. And they don't know what's happening. Right. And then they arrive and they're told. And then the people from the other school show up a month later. Yeah. Whereas they're arriving on the train with no prior knowledge that anything's different about the school year. Right. And they see a, a carriage being flown over their heads by Pegasuses. Yeah. Pegasi. I don't know how you say it. And a ship coming out of the horses. lake. They got wings. Oh, it's true. They got wings. And, and, and this is before anything could be introduced. Yeah, you don't know really know what's going. I mean, obviously, it moves so fast that you find out pretty quick. But um, yeah, I mean, they're all. And this is another point where they do the pageantry shit, where when they were introducing the 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 students, like they're introduced really fucking weird. Like 
Yeah. I, it just was strange. It was weird to me that they decided like they both, both groups of students from the different schools come in and do like some weird choreographed and also like shit. And it, I just thought like, I don't know. I didn't like that. And it's also, like to that's me, not it at was, all how it was presented in the book. And it was kind of, like maybe this is just me being a feminist, but a little sexist. Like the the Bo Battens and the Drumstrung in the books have male and female students. Yeah. Um, in the movie, Bo Battens are all women, and they're all like, huh. Oh. Well, they're supposed to be like. Well, one of them supposed to be one part of them vila. is part vila. Yeah, it's only one of them though, isn't it? And then the Drumstrung guys are all like, "We can do sick flips, and yeah. uh, we're real, we're real tough boys." Yeah. And then it's like, but like well, why? Crum is like he's like stoic in the book, but he's not like, I don't know. He's, he's presented differently. He's presented as this lanky, awkward looking yeah. kid that you wouldn't expect much. He's from. not presented as like super intense either. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Like the way, I don't know. I didn't like it. Like this whole choreographed bullshit, like cut that out, add some of that to a different spot where you could have expanded on the plot a little bit more instead of, I don't know. I didn't like that. I thought it, the it inter- was really weird. The introductions didn't do justice. There's no to substance it. to it. No. That's that's my problem with it. And the same thing with the Quidditch World Cup. Like you left in the stuff that's just like flashy, but you there's no substance to it. You don't actually dig into oh, who are these people? What are their personalities like? You know, like you don't get any of that. Like you said, pageantry. Yeah. Was, and and they also leave out the history of the Triwizard Tournament, which in the book yeah. I, I enjoyed. I, I didn't remember it. So the Triwizard Tournament has been going on for 700 years. Mm-hmm. But due to deaths of students, they hadn't done it in a century. Right. It's supposed to be like a It's a, a rebirth. Pretty, pretty intense thing. Like it's, And they're trying to rebrand it and yeah. make it safer for right. students. And so... Hogwarts is hosting it and has invited these two schools yeah. and and that's why there is the age limit of 17 mm-hmm. and that they're taking precautions yeah. to make sure nobody does get hurt. Yeah. Um and then we get the introduction of Mad-Eye Moody in the midst uh, of all this. Yes. So it, he arrives similarly I think to the book kind yeah. of out of the blue. Yeah. Um I would say the original por- portrayal of him in like the classroom setting is pretty accurate with yeah, the, that, they, they, uh, they did a pretty good job with a few scenes. Like I liked the scene where he's introducing the unforgivable curses. Yes. Um, it jumps almost immediately to them unveiling the goblet of fire and saying, you know, submit your name and the champions yeah. will be chosen. I really can't it like express how quickly this all happens though. I mean, it just like, it just is whiplash the entire movie. I don't like, I really don't like the directorial style of this movie at all. It just no. seems like there's a bunch of background noise and then just shit happening. But there's there's just no time to breathe throughout the whole thing. There's no yeah. time to like pause and feel the weight of anything. It's just like, boom, we're on to the next thing. Boom, we're on to the next thing. And on that point, we both had a uh, an issue with, this is a heavy book and this is where we get introduced to heavy subjects. Yeah. And it seems like they were trying to cut that very necessary tension yep. with juxtaposing it with like weird jokes and frivolity. It's really weird tonal shifts in this movie. Yeah. I, I, I think Alfonso Cuaron, if he had stayed on, would have done a way better job with this. Especially with these bigger. Yeah. You, Harry Potter, it is a magical world, but it's still trying to address very real things. Mm-hmm. And so like, for instance, before the first task, um, Dumbledore is like, they've all pulled their dragons, right? So, mm-hmm. and 
then in the movie, Filch lets the cannon go off early and it's like supposed to be this like, ah, uh -huh, like, well, is that the first one or at the end? No, that's, it's both. Yeah. It's, it's a common kind of like just weird comedic timing that they're trying to, yeah, I, it just doesn't, I don't know. It, it's weird tonal shifts. I, I hate that in movies. Sometimes they pull it off like Parasite. Yes. Watch that. Go, you go through so many different tonal shifts in that movie, but for somehow, somehow they work. I don't understand it, but somehow they fucking work. But a lot of times in movies, you have these like really stark tonal shifts and they just are very jarring. They don't flow at all. There's no kind of transition between them. And you I think you what? get that a lot in this movie. And it, I really, I feel like the first three movies did a really good job keeping a pretty steady kind of pretty steady tone. I feel like even with some levity in there at times, but it like, it wasn't like this jarring at all. Well, It's like uh, when we did the latest Hellboy. Yes. It's, yeah, it, it's sure. reminding me of that. Yeah. Um, but so then we get to the, the crux of everything, right? So everyone has submitted their names yeah. and the, the champions are being chosen. And then, um, Harry's name comes out mm -hmm. at the, uh, at the very end, very surprisingly. And, uh, and then it's that controversial scene in the movie. Cause in the book it says Dumbledore calmly asks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Harry, did you put your name in the, and in the movie it's very dramatic. Michael Gambon went there. Yeah. And, uh, it just, this is, this is where I would say there's a plot hole because Dumbledore, the man who is the most powerful wizard in the world, who defeated Grindelwald mm -hmm. and Lord Voldemort is beholden to a wooden cup of fire. Like he can't be like, not nah, this kid's been through a bit much. Like, yeah, are you, there's like, a couple eh. plot holes I think in this book. Really? Um, but yeah, that's true. I like, I get you need a conflict for the movie and it, it all ties well, back right to the cup of destiny and being the quote unquote yeah. chosen one. But at the same time, but just like binding magic, Marissa. what, but like what would they never get into? What would happen if Harry doesn't compete? They never say it's binding magic. Motherfucker, <laughs> that's stupid. And I just need to say it. And I get that. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Just, but so yeah, Dumbledore's reaction is, is way different. I don't like it. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Michael Gambon has a flair for the dramatic. And I will say, I do enjoy Dumbledore's sassier moments. Mm-hmm from him but this one didn't feel right yeah this is where they they kind of get into um the conflict because now there are two champions from hogwarts and everyone loves cedric yeah and everyone hates harry and even ron well everyone thinks harry like cheated his way in yeah everyone thinks that he he's looking for attention yeah and the other schools think hogwarts is trying to stack the odds right um and everyone even in gryffindor across the school hate Harry because they're like, we like Cedric. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, you're ruining our chances. Ron is just straight up jealous. Mm -hmm. And they, and I think they portray that really well. And I think that's pretty true to yeah, the story. Actually, this is pretty similar. I, I mean, obviously there's stuff they cut out, but I don't think, I think this part's pretty, pretty but I well think done. that reaction is valid yeah. and it makes sense. And then we get to learning about the dragons mm -hmm. and, this is where things differ because Harry is younger. He doesn't know the spells that the older students know. Yeah. So in the movie, it's no big deal when he's given the hint to like 
get his broom. Yeah. But in the book, he spends like two weeks trying to learn. In the book, he's spell like freaking the fuck out before Asio. every single one of these what tasks. Accio, 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 broom. Asio. Yeah. Yeah. But in the movie, it's there's like, no explanation to it though. I mean, no. I would have that conversation between him and Mad Eye in the movie. where like, oh, what are you good at? And he's like flying. But and it, then, it, but then it just cuts immediately to the first task. And then yeah, there's not like this it, build up of like, oh shit, what the fuck am I gonna do? Like I'm fucked. And here. also highlighting that Harry knows jack shit like he gets through this because he has helped along the way by hermione by dobby by moody by cedric i mean all of it well yeah dobby in the book but um Uh, neville and neville kind of takes dobby's so it it, kind of takes i wish they would have highlighted that a little bit more that like harry yes he's our hero but he's still clueless about all of this and he's still terrified yeah um so and and the movie plays up the first task to an extent that is just ridiculous. The yeah, dragon. the book it's like actually not that big of a deal. He gets the broom, he flies it, picks up the egg. It's he wins. Done. It's like really quick. He's the quickest. He yeah. wins the task. This one in the he's movie got a whole he's scene. like five or six minutes of flying around and the dragon destroying like half of Hogwarts and nobody does anything. And this is another problem I have. They they up to the pageantry and I get it's a movie like you want it to be interesting but I think cut that out do do it like it was described in the book and add some more of the plot the subplot that actually adds to the movie I think that added nothing to the movie no and also just took up time a chained dragon breaks free attacks a student and Dumbledore's yeah nobody's doing nothing yeah I I don't know what it just seemed it's another spot I didn't I didn't like what they did there no um, and then he gets the egg and all that shit. And oh, then then we go. So the next part is the Yule Ball, which takes up literally like forty five minutes of this movie. Yes, which is ridiculous. And this is where I cut th- this out because this doesn't really do shit, in my opinion. Do you know what it is? It's focusing on the relatable teenage angst and strife, right? Like finding a date to your first dance and having a crush on someone who's dating someone else. And I get that in the book. It is nice to see that like, right. It's, it's connecting cross cultural lines and worlds, right? Like everybody, if they had condensed this down, they they could have put the entire winky subplot in. Absolutely. They could have definitely, they could have left in like them trying to ask for dates. Yeah. And then, um, Maybe the Hermione and Crumb and Ron stuff, yeah. but did we need the well, full and shebang? The, the interesting stuff of this, of this, uh, of the Yule Ball, a lot of it was cut out too. Where you have uh, like that, this is where um, you see uh, Hagrid and and um, Madame Maxine start for the first time bringing up the the giant the giant stuff yeah. too, and that's because that's taken out. They take that out, and it ends up being just kind of a sulk fest. Which I mean, it is in the book too, a little bit with Ron and Harry, but yeah, I just think it's it was if you're gonna cut something out, they expanded on it. That's what pissed me off. Like right, and if you're gonna cut something out, like condense that down. Don't right. don't have that be 45 minutes or whatever they, it was in the movie. It they, felt like 45 minutes. Anyways. They decided to focus on like the they added they added a it. scene where um, McGonagall is like teaching them to dance. That's not yeah. in the book. No, why did you add that? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you add that? Why would you not add something? Added nothing to the to the movie. No, it was just a way for them. Like add some of that subplot in that juicy, juicy subplot with like that could have added some better context. 
uh, yeah, I don't know. It was very frustrating for me. They focused, the decisions they made, like what they decided to focus they on. They focused on pageantry and high school drama. Yeah. It felt like a high school drama more than it. And they, not only did they focus on it, they like dialed it up. Oh, yeah. It's not like they just left what was in the book in the book. They like turned it up to 10. Right. No, absolutely. Um, so we get past the old ball and it's time for the second task. And in the book, Dobby is the one who gives Harry gillyweed the morning of. Yeah, because he doesn't he's trying to figure out how to like breathe underwater because the second task is and, in a lake and he just can't figure yeah. it and out. And he figures it out pretty similarly to in the book. Cedric tells him, you know, take a bath, take the egg with you. That's very similar. Yeah. Oh, wait. One thing going back for a second here. Mm-hmm. In the lead up to this, he's trying to figure out. So he's got this egg and it's like. He's trying to, there's something clue in the egg to the next task, the second task. And then when he opens up, it just wails. Cedric tells him to go take a bath with it. And then he goes to the bathroom. The prefect's bathroom opens up and here's the, uh, mer people, the mer people underwater and gets the clue for the next second task. But in the book on his way back from this bathroom, Mm -hmm. he's under his cloak and, um, he has the, the marauders Marauders map. map and gets stuck and drops the egg and, that brings um, Filch and Snape and Moody to the area he's at. And Moody ends up with, he sees Barty Crouch on the Marauder's map. And at this point in the book, Barty Crouch hasn't been seen in person. Yeah, he's disappeared at this point in the book. And and he's a huge part of the tournament. So yeah. they're like, well, where is Crouch? So yeah. he just sees Barty Crouch in S- Snape's um, potion storeroom. Yeah. And then, yeah. so he thinks he's like investigating Snape. And Moody ends up with the Marauder, Marauder's map, which comes up later. Yes. So, and this is something that is completely taken out of context. Uh, it's or, taken out of the no, movie. No, taken out of the movie completely, completely not out of context. Yeah. Um, and, and that will lead into drama yeah. with, with the Crouches later. So he gets Gillyweed from Neville and, you know, makes sense. Like, honestly, if you're, you're going to cut this few thing, I don't mind. I don't mind the way they did this. Um, in the book though, he gets more help. Myrtle is the one who points him in the right direction. Um, the mer people point him in the right direction. Myrtle's in the movie too. She is, but in the, in the book, she's in the lake. Oh, you're right. And points him. So another instance where he's kind of being assisted where others aren't. Um, and this, this happens kind of similarly to, the book. Yeah, he sees Ron and Hermione. Um, can't save both, but then he's attacked by the Grindelows, but ends up saving two people instead of one. Well, he saves Fleur's sister. He saved Fleur's sister and Ron, and uh, that puts him tied for first place with Cedric. Well, he gets there last, but because he showed he, bravery or no, something. No, he got to the people first, but he was last to finish because right. he saved both. Right. So they take that into account. Um. So he saves the day, all yeah. of this good stuff. And, uh, and, and throughout this, they're cutting out the Rita Skeeter story stuff. There might, I think they mentioned it one time, but they don't mention any of the impacts of what her stories are doing. Right. Perceptually to these. Right. People. And, and people are on Harry's side again. They're just like, yeah. there's no way he would have entered this. Ron's on his side. Gryffindor's on his right. side. Um, him and Cedric kind of have an understanding, um, that they've helped each other out yeah. and they don't need to you know, be enemies. Right. But then, okay. So after that though, we, we get to the, isn't to this the, where Crouch dies in the, in the movie, in the movie, they're leaving the lake and Harry is talking to, to Barty Crouch who hasn't gone missing, who's still a part of everything. And Moody shows up and kind of like, yeah, you know, pushes Crouch away and says, come on, Harry, like, let's go back and good job, whatever. And then they find him later that night, Barty Crouch dead. 
Yeah. In the book, they are getting ready for the third task, which yeah. they don't know what it is. And Harry and Victor have this confrontation because mm-hmm. Rita Skeeter has been saying that Harry and Hermione are a thing and Hermione and Crumb are a thing, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird triangle that's not a triangle. The non-existent love triangle. Yeah, non-existent yeah. love in general. And they encounter Barty Crouch who's been missing who has been missing murmuring to himself and and seems insane almost yeah. and then he has moments of clarity where he says he needs to talk to Dumbledore yeah. um something's wrong something's happening he needs to talk to Dumbledore Harry runs to try and find him comes back Crumb has been knocked out knocked out and Crouch is gone Crouch is gone yeah and they don't know what to make of anything and that's kind of yeah that until but then there's a lot of lead up between that and the third task. And they're and they're just told outright what the third task is. Yeah. It's a maze at which And he's practicing like spells and stuff in between all of this. And the maze in the book is so much better yeah. than the movie. But there's a lot that goes on between yeah. the second task and the third task in the book. Oh yeah. A lot. And in the movie, it's like second task, Crouch dies. Is there anything else? I think it might just go straight into the third. Like I remember watching the movie and then just it being so abrupt that they're just oh they're the pensive. The oh, the pensive part. You're right. Okay, the pensive that's the other part. One. This is this is where Harry, um, and it's a great plot device in the book. Yeah. Um, and I actually did they change this a little bit? I don't mind how they changed it in the movie. I actually thought they did a pretty good job with it because when when he he's got another vision of uh, at this point in the book it's Voldemort he's in Barty Crouch senior's house because he's, he, it turns out he's been, uh, he's been putting Barty Crouch senior under the imperious curse. Mm -hmm. Um, and he has a vision of him in Barty Crouch senior's house. And so he's got the second vision of Voldemort. And, and, um, this is right after they encounter Crouch in the woods, him and Crumb. And so he's like, okay, I need to go talk Talk to to Dumbledore and tell him what's going on. He goes up, and um, he ends up in Dumbledore's office alone for a little bit. And then that's when we're introduced to the Pensieve, which is um, anybody familiar with Harry Potter knows what this is. But if you're not, this is where you can take memories out of your head and basically make them a tangible thing. It's kind of like a you can memory, enter. kind of like a memory soup that you can enter. It's like the diary of Tom Riddle. Yeah. A little oh, bit. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, That's a good it's way it. and yeah. so obviously this is kind of a way for JK to give us background yeah. without just a ton of exposition. Yeah. Well, it's a, in the movie, it's all kind of one, um, flashback. Right. With Kakaroff, they're interrogating Kakaroff in the ministry of magic in one of their, um, courtrooms basically. And Barty Crouch senior, uh, interrogating Kakaroff trying to get names of other death eaters. And, and Karkaroff is wanting to be freed. He wants to reduce his sentence. Yeah. And, and obviously we know that he does in the end because he's the headmaster of Drumstrongs. Right. But. And in, in the movie, he, at the end, say it says the name Barty Crouch Jr. And then Barty Crouch Jr. gets arrested and Barty Crouch Sr. is distraught. In the book, it's a little bit different. It's like three different flashbacks. One of them with Karkaroff. He doesn't say the name Barty Crouch Jr. And this is also where we learn that Snape was a Death Eater. Yeah. But that is confirmed. Turned spy yes. for... Dumbledore's side. Yes. And then they have another flashback where Barty Crouch Jr. is brought in because he's arrested for torturing, torturing Neville's parents. The, the long out, bottoms. The long yeah. bottoms. And like Barty Crouch Sr. in the book, it like no remorse is like sentences son to life in right. Azkaban 
and he's just like, fuck this kid. He's not mine. And, and in the book, so they change kind of like that right. a little bit. Cause in the movie, like in, in the book, he's supposedly Barkash Jr. Supposedly died. He died in Azkaban. In Azkaban. And in, then in the Crouch's movie, wife died as yeah. well. Yeah. So Crouch is alone in the book and that's quite kind of why, like he's in the flashbacks, he's kind of described as more like, uh, uh, passionate and kind of, uh, younger and a little bit less, uh, Frightened. Yeah. Or in the movie, Barty Kratz Jr.'s just supposedly been in Azkaban this entire time, still not dead. Right. And, um, and oddly, this is another, another issue of, well, how did they not know that he escaped? Right. That's yeah. another plot hole. Right. How did he, escape? how did he, they never explained how, how did he escape? They never explained this. No. Um, in, in the book, it's this very intricate, um, oh, very intricate plot. Plot of, and this is where the winky stuff comes in. Right. Because in the book, Barty Crouch's wife is essentially dying of yeah. of sorrow and shame. And so they visit and they swap. And then his wife dies, essentially. Yeah. So so Barty Jr. can be free. And Winky, the house elf, is the one in charge of caring for him all of these years. Mm-hmm. Um, hidden in the house. Staying hidden. Hidden under an invisibility cloak. And this is where Bertha um, Jorkins. Jorkins comes in because she she figures this out, but then Barty Crouch senior puts a spell on her to make her lose her memory. And that's how Voldemort, cause she, he encounters Bertha where he's hiding out. Mm-hmm. That's how Voldemort finds out that Barty Crouch junior is still alive. And that's what spurs the entire plot of the book forward because right. he goes there. Cause he assigns Barty this job yeah. of getting Harry well, through the tournament. Yeah. And Bertha also tells him about the Triwizard tournament that's coming. Right. Up. So immediately this is where Voldemort hatches his plot of, I'm going to go get Barty Crouch Jr. I'm going to make him go get Harry in the Triwizard tournament and get lead him, to, him, lead to, him, me. him to me. Yeah. So they leave all that out and you're kind of left without that. You're, you're and left without the background. That's like, why the winky how? stuff I thought was so important Yeah, because you leave that out and then it's just kind of like, it doesn't make as much sense. No, it doesn't make as much sense. And that's where you see a plot hole. How did yeah. he get out? Where has he been? How did nobody notice? Yeah, for sure. And it, that's totally explained in the book. Very, very elegantly. It, thought, so. Yes, it was done very well. Um, so essentially, right. After the Pensieve where he's learning all yeah. of these things, we jump directly to task three. In the movie. Yeah. In the movie. Directly to it. To the maze. And the maze is stupid huge makes no sense the scale in the in the book it's like the the quidditch the quidditch pitch yeah the quidditch pitch and the maze was so interesting in yeah there's the all these like little like uh riddles riddles and like different like he sees a sphinx i mean different things on. they had to get past in the book or in the movie it's literally just Wind? the maze collapsing in on itself that's all that there's it's there. essentially they took the staircase from inside of hogwarts yeah, and turned it into a maze and then, didn't like and then it. crumb is bewitched still and tax people that that's similar yes crumb is bewitched to kind of get him out of the way yeah and this is this is uh um, barty crouch jr as mad eye trying to get harry to get to the cup the first mm-hmm. right Fleur de la cour yeah. is in- incapacitated and then harry saves cedric from being attacked. And so they decide to take the cup together. Yeah. Unified front. Wonderful, beautiful ending maybe and to the this story. this is where they're transported to the, the graveyard. Okay. Pause for a second. Another plot hole. Why the fuck was this the method that Voldemort chooses to get Harry there? Like he's got him the entire year, him and Mad-Eye. Why couldn't he not just make something a portkey at any point in time and just have him grab it and transport it like... <laughs> 
when people probably wouldn't even notice he's gone because like at night or something. And I, I why, why would he go such so, an int- intricate plan to like get him there? I'm thinking like in my head, I'm like, well, maybe it was cause they had to pr- like figure out like exactly how to use him to get Voldemort to his full form. But then again, they had all the things there. I, I don't. I just, that's one thing. Voldemort I'm like, cares about Harry's studies. Okay, Jared. No, he Voldemort's needs- <laughs> just into some pageantry. Okay. He, well, what evil villain isn't? Yeah. But that was just one piece where I'm just like, why? There's so many things that could have gone wrong in this plan. Like, why would you choose this as the method to like get Harry Potter? Like and- what? And also they, they touched the porky and are transported for a measurable amount of time reappear later. And everyone's like, woo, like nobody was alerted that they were missing. But this part actually, I think is maybe the piece of the movie I liked the most. I think they did the best job with this was the graveyards. The graveyard scene. Absolutely. They left pretty much this almost exactly this, exactly the same. I think Mm -hmm. And Voldemort, Voldemort ends up coming back. Wormtail's there, cuts off his hand. They do this. Spell the magic. Thing. They need Harry's blood. That's why he's there. But this is a, a huge moment in the book and movie. Yeah, Voldemort is a he's he's, he's back, flesh and fully blood again. Formed, back back to his power. Yeah. And after seeing the movie, so this many is times, the turning point. If there was one right. of the entire series, this is the first time we see who will be Voldemort for the rest of the movies. Yeah. And I kind of forgot that, like, oh, this was a huge moment. Yeah. When you first watch this movie, they're like. That's Voldemort. Yep. The snake. Yep. The snake face. Well, he doesn't have the snake eyes. He doesn't have the snake which they eyes. They should have just done it. Um, Apparently, they they were playing with the idea of doing the red eyes like they have yeah. in, the, in the book, but they said it was like too inhuman. They thought people wouldn't take it seriously. I'm like, well, how does that make any sense? It's magic. Some of the scariest shit is very inhuman. Right. Um, also, like in the book, they'd really describe Voldemort's fingers as like long and spider like. Wish they had done that too. Like they could overall, have, they could have amped up his his like crazy appearance a little bit more. I thought overall, I still he am looks pretty good. I'm mean, a fan of Ray yeah. Fiennes and and the Small direction that they stuff, took. But, Small stuff, but, but this is largely the same. I mean, Cedric gets right. killed. Um, yeah, Voldemort comes back and he explains why Harry has this power over him. Basically, I will say though he does he does explain to Harry like how he got there. Like I had someone on the inside, and after Harry was in the pensive, he assumes it's Snape. Yeah. He assumes Snape is yeah. actually a double agent and he thinks Snape is the one who did yeah. it. This is also where you learn about the Bertha stuff, I think, right? Right. How he got and the so, information. Since they cut that out of the plot, right. they, they, it's not in Voldemort's little speech. Right. But. How he got the information, how yeah. he needed Harry's blood so he could touch him. Yeah. He wasn't protected anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a really powerful moment. And then the the duel scene yeah. where, where the, the wands connect and he sees his family and they, they help him get to safety with Cedric. Yeah. And then obviously. So yeah, like Voldemort's trying to kill him at the end. And then they have the, the whole wands coming together thing. And like in the book is explained the reason that, that their wands are, I don't think this happens in the movie. The reason their wand connect like that is because they've got the same core or does Dumbledore say that at the end? Dumbledore the does say that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it turns out both of the Phoenix feathers are from Fox. Yeah. Dumbledore's Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And because of that, their wands have some their brothers. Connection. Yeah, they have yeah. a connection, and that's why and that's why he can see yeah. his parents come out of yeah the past spells that yeah, Voldemort's cast. wand cast are coming out, and so he sees his parents again. Then the dead people, his parents, whatever, help him a little bit. He gets away, gets back to the port key, transported back. And this is where we get Hogwarts. the the moody situation. And, well, and this is different too because uh, 
and this isn't a change in necessarily a dislike, but like in the book, Cedric's dad is like a huge dick to Harry. Oh, he hates Harry. Very unsympath- unsympathetic character. He's such so a, just a dick. And then in the movie, he's like a super nice guy. Yeah, he's like this really adorable man. And I think the decision to do that was to make the death of Cedric more impactful at the Probably. end. Because like you really feel for this guy because his son's dead and he comes up and he's like distraught and crying. I don't think that would have had maybe the same impact. I don't think so either. You wouldn't have been as, been as sympathetic to that character um, as you were as you would have been if they kept his character similar to what it was in the book. Right. So I don't mind that change. And it's, and he's such a minor character that... Yeah, they don't really talk too much about him. Right. Um, yeah, then so then we then this Moody takes him off, and Dumbledore has told him to stay, but Moody takes him off by themselves. At this point, Harry doesn't know anything, but Moody takes him to his office, and that's where we find out, and this is the same in both the book and the movie, where that is actually Barty Crouch Jr. taking Polyjuice Potion, mm-hmm. and he's got Mad-Eye as prisoner... But yeah, but then, you know, McGonagall and Dumbledore and Snape rush in and um, his true self as Barty Crouch Jr. is uh, revealed. And that's when we get the entire background Explain of how he was out. entire background. So that's that's at the end of the book, right? Where we say it might drag a little bit because there is a lot of exposition back to back between so Voldemort that's and Barty Crouch. still in there, but they, they don't go to any of the... Um, it's different though because the, the kind of story of him how why he's there is different and because of the absence of Winky and the whole subplot where he faked this death is faked and he's been hiding in secret. Right. And then like you said, they, in the movie they skip kind of right to the last day of school and Dumbledore's telling the school how Cedric died and that it was Lord Voldemort and that he has returned, but they skip over what's in the book, which is that conflict. This is my biggest problem with this movie I think so Fudge is very involved in the end of the in the mm-hmm. book yeah he's there and he goes to interrogate Barty Crouch Jr. and takes a Dementor with him and the yeah. Dementor ends up killing Barty Crouch Jr. well it, it, they gave him the kiss so on the spot gone. in the movie he's just taken back to Azkaban right so in the in the book this means that there's no testimony from right. anybody besides so Harry in the in the book it's this is where everything kind of comes together with Rita Skeeter writing all this these lies about Harry being kind of this demented, troubled child because of some of the this attention visions and seeking. stuff he's having. Yeah, yeah, he's painted in a really bad light. And Fudge buys into that. And he's like, I don't believe Voldemort's back. I think Harry is lying. He is a disturbed kid. He's clearly disturbed from and the now, stuff I've been reading. No one can corroborate his yeah, story. And Dumbledore is like adamant. No, Voldemort's back. You need to take this seriously. You need to take these steps. You need to take the Dementors out of the power of Azkaban because they're going to side with Voldemort and release everybody. Mm -hmm. You need to go head off the giants. You need to make sure they're on your side. Otherwise, they're going to go with Voldemort. He like spells out, you've got to do this, this, and this because he's back and we need to take actions. Yeah. And it's a huge conflict and Fudge is like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing any of this. He's not back. Business as usual. Yeah, ignorance is Business as usual. I don't believe any of this. And it's a huge, uh, this sets up the entire plot for the fifth movie. Right. Because this sets up this rift between Dumbledore and Fudge. This sets up all of the kind of animosity between those two that is plays a huge role in the next book. And this sets up his his attitude towards Harry. And it and for Harry it continues over because nobody believes him. Nobody believes Students him. Students don't believe yeah. him. Um and this also it's important to note that Snape is there and he shows them the dark mark. Like Harry sees it. Yeah. Harry knows. And and then we all we know in order of the Phoenix Snape plays a role in yeah. that. So, I mean, so it's setting the, up all these really complex things yeah. in those chapters. And then 
Dumbledore has one line that he says, the ministry doesn't want me to tell you this. Yeah. No, the ministry doesn't believe it. Yeah. So it's all different. that's left out and there's no setup now then for the next book. I, it, I really, really think they needed to leave that in. Yes. And there's so many things they could have cut out and made shorter to leave that conflict in. It sets up the entire plot of the next book. And I think it would have strengthened the next film too, to have kind of this set up too. Right. And, and also at the end of the other thing at the end of the book, Dumbledore is like, okay, we don't have the backing of the ministry clearly. So now we got to do this ourselves. And Sirius is Sirius, head the front. Yeah, Sirius is there. He, he sends, starts sending people on different missions. He sends Hagrid some off mm-hmm. somewhere. He tells Sirius, gives Sirius an assignment. He tells Snape to go do some stuff. We don't know what they're all doing yet, but we know that Dumbledore is taking actions, progressive actions to try to stop Voldemort already immediately without right. the ministry's backing. They are on their own and he knows it. So you don't have any of this tension built that's ready to explode in the next book. Right. And, and kind of this angst and all this stuff. It's just like, Oh, I think the, the end of the movie is like Hermione's like, Oh, everything's going to change. And Harry's just like, yep. yep. And that's the end. I'm just like, you left out some of the most interesting stuff there to have that big scene where Dumbledore is saying, Lord Voldemort is back. Yeah. He killed Cedric Diggory and he's telling you this cause you need to be prepared. And then it cuts to like the frivolity of like people like laughing and saying goodbye and going yeah. home for the summer. Another weird kind cut. of cut to, and I mean in the book it's That like, makes it seem bright and cheery. Yeah. Like the end of the other movies where like, you know, Voldemort has been defeated. He's been thwarted. Right. No, no, the exact opposite has happened. Yeah. In the book, everybody's like, well, fuck, well, fuck. What yeah. now, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I was really surprised when I saw the, when I read that the the critical reviews were generally positive, but you know, I'm trying to think if I would like how much I'd like this movie if I hadn't read the book. You know, if you just take the movie right. as a movie without the story, I don't know. I did not like this movie. I I liked it less than I remembered, and I think personally, not a good ap- a great adaptation. No, I don't think there it were was certain elements to it. Certain elements they adapted well. I think the graveyard scene was pretty, really, really well done. Um, some of the other stuff was, was done well, but overall, not a fan of the style, not a fan of the, the jumps between tones. Um, yeah, I just think they emphasize things that didn't need to be emphasized and cut out things that should have stayed. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely prioritized more of the high school drama than the magical world drama. I think that's a mistake. A lot of those kind of like yeah. you, you, those YA, YA young things. adult. They focus too much. Yeah. Relationships are important, but they also still need to be connected to the, the larger plot. And mm-hmm. here they just kind of focused on those relationships. Yeah. So that being said, not fans, let's move into Goodreads and IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think this book has? on Goodreads. Hmm. I, wow. I liked this book more than I remembered. I did. I'm going to give it a 4.4. Very close. 4.56. Oh, wow. Is that the highest so far? 2 million ratings. I think it might be one of the highest. Yeah. I can't remember what the other ones were, but it's definitely up there. It was I really think, good. Um, I forgot how good I think this our book lowest was, was um, um, cha- uh, Chamber of Secrets. Secrets. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, all right. What do you think for Rotten Tomatoes, Ugh. critics, and 
audience? I think audience. I mean, it's, it's such a phenomenon at this point. Um, well, I'm going to go like 85 audience mm-hmm. and 75 critics. Flip those around a little bit. I know really? 88 critics. What? I know. I, I was surprised too, because even if you thought the story was okay, just on its own as a movie, I thought the filmmaking was bad. Did not enjoy the style at all. I don't know. No. It, um, I, there were some critics that kind of were talking about like the, the re- weird jump cuts between things and everything felt rushed. I yeah. read some of that too, but 88% of critics thought it was a decent movie, a good movie. I wonder how many of those critics are reading the books too. Yeah, that's a good question. 74 for the audience score. And I think that's, really? I think that's where you see the effect yeah, of the people. Because those are fans reading the books and going to see the movie. And I think that's where you see maybe some of the disappointment in right. how they treated it. And I know that like everyone's always going to have issues about what you leave in and what you leave out. 34 million user ratings, by the way. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, like everyone in any adaptation, there are going to be people who are upset by some of the smallest things left out. But I think this, this adaptation deserves that criticism from the audience. And I get it. Having read the book and watched the movie back to back, it does not do the book or the message of the book justice. That's Goblet of Fire. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to, we're going to hit on a lot of these same things. The, the deeper we get into the series. And I'm Um, sure there's lots of things we missed. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, we've both started reading order of the Phoenix and I'm already like, Oh, I forgot how much I love this book. So I'm very excited to get to that one next, despite it being over 800 pages long. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. Yeah. That's all we can do. True. So Tell us what you guys think of this movie, because I'm very curious yeah. to see if how people feel about and, these cuts uh, or not. Keep sending us some suggestions for other books to cover, because I'm going to need something different after this. We're getting a little bit of Harry Potter burnout. Yes. Um, doing it all at once is a lot. Uh, we have realized. Yeah. Uh, I'll but, be ready for some variety by the end of this. So uh, if you have suggestions for for what's mm-hmm. up next after this series, send it send our way. Um yeah, you can send any suggestions to our email, sourcematerialpod at gmail.com or over social media, Facebook and Instagrams at sourcematerialpod, yeah. Twitter at sourcematpod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Hopefully if you're new to the podcast, uh, go back and listen to some of our uh, past episodes now that we're yes. back. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Until next time.